G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. And so these things will help build the connection, the intimacy of communicating at a deeper level. And the only way you can do that is if you do make time. We have to make time for our spouse. Do you have a perfect marriage? Well, neither do I. And just so you know, there are none. However, what would it take to bring you and your spouse closer together? My wife and I spoke to an online group on the topic of keeping the spark alive. Using biblical truths and a number of helpful tips, we reminded couples of the importance of the need to invest in their marriage. Stay tuned for part one of Keeping the Spark Alive by Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, for Focus on the Family, Australia. We really hope that today will be challenging, but also encouraging and empowering for you and your relationship with your spouse, because let's face it, uh, life can be very difficult and the people that we're they are closest to can often not get our very best. We can be taking one another for granted and we would like to provide you with some tips or some strategies to just keep that spark alive. Yeah. And, and uh, we've been married for a while now and we'll share a little bit about our journey as we go along. So uh, keeping the spark alive, we want to have that. We want to keep that magic alive and it can be great for the first couple of weeks and then reality hits, get back into the room routines of life and you go, oh man, did I really marry this person? They're not what I anticipated. You have this desire that you think it's going to be all rosy. You're never going to argue. You just, you finish each other's sentences and it's just wonderful. But then reality hits and it can be a challenge for a marriage to work. It takes two healthy individuals to keep that spark alive and both wanting the same thing. And for Kate and I, we've been married for 32 years and we've been working on it. Uh, we've had our ups, we've had our downs. We're going to share some of those stories yeah. as we go along and things that have worked for us. And we hope and trust that it will be a benefit to you. But we are so different. We are so dramatically different. Males and females are different. We think differently. We act differently. We speak differently. We even look at the mirror differently. When I look in the mirror, I think I've got a six pack. And really, reality is a little bit different from that. Uh, we've also, <laughs> Kate, on the other hand, you know, she would often say, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. But we just think differently. But if you want to know a little bit more about the difference between male and female, there's a book that's coming out, Understanding Women. And that's the first <laughs> edition. Unfortunately, after they had it printed, it was all out of date and it's gone back to the drawing board. So that's a little bit more about uh, just the differences between husbands and wives. But the Bible's got a lot to say about marriage and a lot about the importance of the marriage relationship. And mate, back in Genesis, the two will become one flesh. Uh, not only with that physically intimate, but we also do it in partnership where Kate is my helpmate. She is my partner. She compliments me. She doesn't complete me. She compliments me. One of the important things, I mean, the very start, for this reason, we shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. 
culturally, that can be a very complicated issue if there's a patriarchal or matriarchal situation in a certain culture. We do talk about this quite a bit because what can happen is culturally, you can say that, well, this is the way it's always been done culturally. But as Christians, we need to switch our mindset and go, what is biblical? And biblically, we need to leave our fathers and mothers. And now, cleave we've got, to one another. And cleave to their spouse. Now, we've got three sons, and I was very close to my three sons, but very rightly, I am second to their wives, absolutely second to their wives, as it should be. We have to allow our children, that's what the aim is of raising our children, is that they will be mature adults and go and start their own families. And so as parents, we should never interfere, you know, if it's a healthy relationship, we should never interfere without their approval for us to say something. Yeah. It we is, can offer advice. We can offer we only if they agree to it uh, because they are now their unit. Uh, We have to remember that. And so if you have parents that are interfering, then a very loving conversation needs to be had there. Yeah. Because husbands and wives need to grow and develop together and create their own tribe. We just wanted to emphasize that the leave and cleave is a very big part, that you leave your family home and their direction. They still have an influence, but they can't control what you say or do. So that's a big point. Mm. And um, for a woman... You know, if they've had a close relationship with their father, that has to be transferred to the husband. Um, and if there's still a real powerful hold by the father, then it's not in right position. Yeah. Um, and the same way for the husband, if he's got a really good relationship with his mother, yeah. that has to be moved to the yeah. wife. But, you know, the Bible talks about and Proverbs has got a great deal of information I found a good thing. My wife is a good thing and I feel God's favour. But being married is not the penultimate, but it is something to be cherished and uh, to value and not take for granted. But unfortunately in our culture today, if someone's not making you happy, and we put that in inverted commas, people tend to look elsewhere and they think the grass is always greener. And we get to hear some very heartbreaking stories. And if people only invested a little bit more energy in how they can communicate, how they handle conflict, how they are more vulnerable to one another and share those things and be more intimate relationally and physically, then marriages can be not only thriving, but they can be happy. And that's what we want for you and your families. Yeah. So often we think, oh, we're just going to get through the day. But that's not what marriage should be about. It should be about doing life with your best friend and the day-to-day stuff and connecting with each other. Yes, you're going to have things thrown at you, Throughout your whole married life, there'll be a whole lot of external issues. There'll be relational, they could be financial, they could be, you know, to do with the careers, it could be to do with your children's health, it could be your health, it could be your parents that are sick, it could, you know, there are so many things that externally can affect your relationship. But if it's strongly based first on the Lord and he's the centre, you know, the closer you get to God, the closer the two of you can become. Yeah. You know, if you make the decision to do it together, it's when you try and grapple with an issue on your own and not include the other person so that you're working on it together. Because when you work through problems and you come out the other side, you are always stronger. Yeah. And you've always got a a greater level of intimacy because you've developed 
um, this understanding of what you've just walked through. Yeah. If you try and grapple on your own because you think I don't want to burden the other person, what it does is break down communication and they feel isolated or left out and you're trying to grapple on your own. So then you can go into stress levels that are beyond because you haven't got that backing person. Yeah. But we have to we have to be really aware that two are better than one. And, and three with God involved, you know, it's going to be a, an awesome team Yeah, if you're looking to go that direction together. Where you lose the spark, where you lose that energy, keeping the marriage mm-hmm. alive, there's been some common threads. I mean, obviously, finances <coughs> is a very big part of causing so much disruption in relationships. It's the number one thing. Communication is probably second and intimacy is third. That's probably the order that takes place. Mm-hmm. But intimacy usually comes because you know, either the the finances aren't great, so then intimacy decreases, or you're not communicating very well, so therefore you you have other challenges. So they're all intertwined, but finances is a a big factor. But here's a few other things to keep in mind when it comes to what causes marital problems. By no means exhaustive, but, you know, people just don't, they're apathetic and they don't put in their effort. And it takes two people working at it 100% for a relationship to work. Um, they're not communicating clearly. And we'll give you some tips on that as we go along. And then expectations. If they're not met and you feel like you've been cheated in some way, you thought it was going to be wonderful. And I'll, I'll use an example for men. They thought, oh, we're going to have sex all the time. And then because life gets the better of their time and energy and their spouse has got little kids or their older parents are looking after them and then intimacy decreases. And so if that's not met, that becomes the wedge. It becomes the problem. And so all these things can be remedied when we have a a right size expectations. And we've got some great resources on these from our website. Kate mentioned this verse before from Ecclesiastes, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And Kate's one strand, I'm one strand. But if God is part of that, it is secure, it's solid. It's actually something to be drawn together. And as we draw closer to God vertically, our relationship horizontally will improve. And so God has to be a central factor Anyone here in the group is married to someone who is not a Christian. It is a really challenging time. It's not impossible, but it's really challenging not to be able to share the intimacy of the relationship and the growing of learning about God and not being able to share that with your spouse. It's really, really difficult. That is difficult. Um, But you can still live out a strong Christian life, loving your spouse God's way. One of the things that we need to remember is that if we do things God's way, we are 90% there of how our marriage is going to go. You know, if we act in the way that God tells us to act with kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and all those things that if we really put the mirror in front of our faces, we're going to say, well, I'm about one out of 10. Um, You know, I've got a few areas I could work on. Um, But if we do it God's way and we keep challenging ourselves and we keep asking the Holy Spirit to challenge us and change us, um, but we have to do the work, you know, we have to make a choice to change. If we choose not to do that, then we won't see leaps and bounds in our marriage. We have to make the choice to love the way God loves. Yeah. Because otherwise what we end up doing is living out of a selfish heart because, you know, out of our heart is, you know, sinfulness. And so that's selfish. 
And so when we don't get our own way, of course, we react and we put that onto our spouse uh, because you will fulfil what I want. Um, And when they don't, then we get resentful and angry and we fuss and fight and try and get our own way. And so if we keep going back to God's word and going, well, if I am displaying fruit in my life, um, then I will be carrying out and displaying those fruits of humility. Now, if I have humility, then when my husband says to me something that I might not like, but he's maybe pointing something out in me that's not very nice. Very rarely, very, very um, rarely. But if that's the case, then I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to go, okay, you know, and, and look at myself and challenge myself. Is that a behaviour that is attractive or not? But if I don't have humility, then I will have pride and I will defend myself and not change. So our spouse needs to be able to challenge us on our behaviours in love, not, yeah. oh, you are just like your mother, you know. That hurts. <laughs> now, for me, I'd be like, oh, that's good. <laughs> My mum's amazing. But there are things that we don't like about our spouses, but we've got to do that gently and in the right frame. Yeah. And also we want to do it because we love our spouse and we don't want them to stay in a position of pride or selfishness yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it's complicated and we have to work out how to approach our spouse. That's how learning to love them um, and how they tick is so important because then we can approach them in the way that they'll be able to hear. You're listening to Brett and Kate Ryan, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Stay with us as we continue our online marriage presentation called Keeping the Spark Alive, right here on Focus on the Family, Australia. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Hi and welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan, and today's broadcast is an online marriage presentation by myself and my wife, Kate, called Keeping the Spark Alive. In the time that we have, this is some of the things we'd like to cover, talking about how you have to be very intentional on building a relationship, the importance of value and respect, uh, persevering courageously, guarding vigilantly, serving one another, forgiving freely, and that's sometimes very difficult when that person's hurt us, intimacy and sex, and we know the uh, men will be leaning in a little bit more for that one, um, and then enjoy fun and laughter. So we're going to cover these things, not in great depth, but we'll provide you some strategies and some of the stories yeah. that we have. So building intentionally, the relationship needs to be built. You can't just say, oh, I'll be right. We need to work on a relationship together. And so Kate alluded to this a little bit before, is you need to find out what makes your spouse tick, what drives them. We've been married for 32 years, three decades. What things that made Kate tick in the beginning have changed at that time? Mm. Having children, our grandchildren, different health issues. Both of our fathers have died and we look after our mothers. Things change. And I want her to know that I find her, her amazing. I'm curious. I'm inquisitive. And we change over time. So if you don't know what makes your wife or your husband tick, ask them or observe them. And we talk about the languages of love. 
the language of love, you can go to their website, languageoflove.com and fill out a form. You can do this with your kids, but to do it with your spouse, I highly, highly recommend it because you, you have to feed in their, their emotional love tank and speak that language that is meaningful for them. Look, I, I can only attest to that because, you know, for Brett, touch and words of affirmation are very, very important. But mine is time and just spending time with Brett. I love that. But if he starts to serve or over-serve, all I just want him to do is sit down. So he's speaking his own language, thinking that that's going to float my boat. But really what it's doing, I'm just going, he's not hearing me. All I want to do is have him sit yeah. down. So we need to speak their language or else it's like going to France and speaking German. And so we need to take the time to work out what actually makes our spouse tick. Yeah. We have to love their language. And, and again, those five things, you know, words of affirmation and encouragement, that's my primary one. Kate is time and I have to deposit regularly into her love tank. Acts of service, doing things from one another. Uh, gifts. It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be just little things that can make all the difference. So that they know that you're thinking of them. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the big things. You know, you think you've got to do something really big, but it might just be picking a flower on the way home. It might be just cooking a favourite meal. You know, really simple things, a note, the note that goes, yes, just it's building the other person up. Yeah. So I really encourage you to look at that. And so when we're talking about intentionally, our communication has to be clear. Uh, guys, we really don't like playing games, uh, no gamesmanship. We don't like to read between the lines and... The scripture in James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. We often just go into, I want to say what I want to say, and we don't listen. We've got two ears. We need to listen to them and be Mm. genuinely interested, not waiting for them to stop moving their lips and to fill in. And so these things will help build the connection, the intimacy of communicating at a deeper level. And the only way you can do that is if you do make time. We have to make time for our spouse. The daily routine of life can get so busy if we don't make specific time to get together. It might be after you put the kids to bed. It might be having a coffee in the afternoon. Whatever it is that works, that's what you do. But you need to make it happen. If you just go, oh, we'll catch up tonight, and then it just doesn't happen night after night after night, and you don't, then there becomes a disconnect and you start to drift. Yeah. You can't allow yourselves to drift. You've got to keep intentionally spending time talking, laughing, doing whatever you love doing. I mean, Brett and I, we like playing Frisbee golf. We like playing games, things like that. That's how we connect. So even when we eat breakfast together, we play a card game. And we connect and we laugh and, you know, it's, it's really important just to do those little things. You've got to work out what works for you, yep. but that's what works for us. Yeah. And so we encourage you to make that time. Yeah. So some things to avoid when you're in conflict is, is sometimes we might be talking about toothpaste and then we bring out the towels and then we start talking about the rubbish bins and we start talking about other things. We forget that we should stay on issue and not attack the person to say that they're all lazy. And we've got a whole video series for free that's available on our family cast platform called Caring Communication and Conflict. Mm. And we highly, highly recommend for you to do that 
as a couple or even as small groups within the church to work out how to communicate more effectively and how to do conflict in a much more healthy way. Because especially if you're one of those types of people that wants to win the argument for the sake of it, but you destroy the relationship, that is not going to be a win-win. It doesn't work. Yeah, we need to approach our spouse in the way that they're precious. If we don't have that uppermost in our mind, then we want to win. But if we're holding them in such high value, we're not going to say things that are going to hurt them for the sake of a win. We need to just keep uppermost in our mind that our spouse is precious in God's sight and they are precious in our sight regardless of what we're going on about in the moment. This too shall pass. But what's going to be on the other side if we've made a poor choice to attack the person and not the issue? It's the issue that you need to deal with. The person is a precious person and they may do something in the moment that you don't like or, you know, you've seen a pattern or whatever, but it needs to be discussed in a moment where you're calm. Don't ever try and deal with an issue when you're both emotional or one of you is emotional. Take the time and agree to talk at a later time after you've calmed down, prayed about the issue, and that was something that Brett and I started very early on because I know that with my language, as in I could eviscerate Brett if I chose to. I could, you know, tear him apart But I don't want to do that. I never want to do that uh, because he's precious to me. He's precious to God. And I have no right to do that. Mm. And so I would say to Brett, look, I need to go for a walk because I'm pretty angry. So when I get back, can we talk about it? Uh, Brett's a very calm person. So for me, who could get riled up, I didn't want to attack. And so I would go for a walk. And initially, Brett did not know how to deal with this. You know, I never just walked off. I always said, I need to go for a walk. I'll come back and we'll talk about it because that's respectful. But one time, because he doesn't like there to be division of any kind, he followed me one time. That did not go well. Um, (laughs) Don't recommend it. Because I said, if you force me to talk now, it won't go well because I need to pray about it. I need to think about my words But if you force my hand to talk now when I'm emotional, it won't go well. Mm. And so he left and got back in his car. And the thing is, the thing about that is I would start off with God talking about Brett and having a rant. And I'd be walking around the lake going, oh, he said this and he did that. And And as I'm going and I calm down and I calm down and all of a sudden I can hear God's voice going, well, what about you? What was your attitude? What was your part in that argument? What did you say? And it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, gosh, that one finger that was pointing at Brett, all these other fingers were pointing back at me. And by the time I got back and I had confronted that I was part of the problem, you know, that God was able to work in both of us and, you know, pray about it, by the time we got back we were able to discuss things in a calm manner that was respectful. Yeah. Um, Because... The whole idea of communicating, conflict is going to happen. We just need to do it healthily. And conflict isn't a bad thing because we challenge each other. It's just the way we do it. And the whole aim in it all is do no harm. That is one of my favourite sayings of any kind of communication is do no harm to the other person. 
If you're about to spew something out of your mouth, ask the Holy Spirit to check your spirit and prevent you from doing it. Yeah. That is so good. I mean, you know, we don't want to do things in anger. And we used to try and resolve issues at night. And, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, don't let the sun go down on your, on your anger or on, or your, on wrath. your wrath. And we used to think you had to resolve every issue. But we found that the sun had well and truly gone down, the moon had well and truly gone up, and we're still trying to resolve the issues. And uh, that is not a great time to do it when you're tired and you're a bit grumpy and you're not thinking as clearly. So we made that decision not to continue the conversation. We'd make a connection and we'd talk about it in the morning. And then by the time in the morning, we'd forgotten all about it. They became bigger than they really were. Yeah, you end up magnifying when you're tired and when you're emotional. Yeah. But if you can honestly say we're on the same team, we want to resolve this issue, but we're both tired, acknowledge that you're both in that same position and hold hands or touch feet or do something to connect to let the other person know that you love them regardless of how you feel. You know, love is a commitment. It's not how we feel. We've got to put our actions into place before our feelings can sometimes follow. And so when we said I do, we made a commitment um, regardless of the emotional, you know, you go through the the romantic, you go through sickness, you go through the friendship phase. I mean, I was in a terrible car accident. And so we weren't able to be intimate for almost 18 months. And, you know, we built our friendship. But if you don't have that basis where you go, we're committed to each other, regardless of what goes on around us, that affects our relationship, we've got to just close ranks with each other. I mean, the book of Proverbs talks about this often, you know, avoiding fights brings honour to a person, which means we're going to have conflict, but it's not a fight. You know, if you're arguing, it's just foolish that the Bible talks about. You can have a difference of opinion and that's what it will become if you do it in a respectful way rather than fighting. Yeah. You are listening to part one of an online marriage presentation called Keeping the Spark Alive by my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan. We hope you are encouraged by what you have heard and consider how you can take on board some of the biblical truths and relational tips to bring you and your spouse a little closer. I invite you to listen in again for part two of this presentation. For more resources on marriage and faith and to take our free online marriage assessment, go to our website at families.org.au. I'm Brett Ryan and we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family Australia. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.